local booksellers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I burped. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cold open. <laughs> um, <laughs> to get started. Just go to... Yeah, you can start from there. Uh, to get started. Yeah. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're sharing books that bring us comfort during stressful times. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Here at He Read, She Read, we believe that reading fosters relationships by sparking great conversations and encouraging empathy. We publish bi-weekly episodes on the second and fourth weeks of each month, and sometimes one of those is a book discussion. In our next episode, we'll discuss The Duchess Deal, a steamy historical romance full of humor and Shakespearean language. Make sure you're following us on Instagram for buddy read news and other announcements at He Read, She Read. You can also get in touch with us via email at heredsheredpodcast at gmail.com. We know you hear this all the time from your favorite podcasters, but please take the time to write a review or share He Read, She Read on social media. It makes our day and helps other bookworms find our show, which means more book recs for everyone. So like you said at the top of the show, Curtis, we're talking about comfort books, books that we like to turn to when we're facing stress or turmoil because... That's adult life. <laughs> so I think before we get into those books that we're going to talk about, we should just talk about what our reading lives look like when we're stressed out. I think I read less when I'm more stressed. I don't know how you are, but I remember the last time I was in Afghanistan, I packed like probably 15 books or so, and they were all pretty big, and I made it through about two or three of them um, just because of constraints on time and then also when I get stressed I don't like to well sometimes I like to do more mindless activities so a show or um just sleep so I don't know how I like I came up with some stuff for the list but I think primarily when I'm stressed out I don't go to reading as my outlet neither do I I I think that's surprising I don't know when I tell my friends that I don't read when I'm stressed out they're like really you're such a bookworm but I, when I'm stressed and my mind is really occupied with whatever I'm stressed out about, I have a really hard time focusing on a book. So like you said, more mindless activities that don't require as much focus, like binge watching a TV show or scroll, I mean, to be honest, scrolling on my phone Mm -hmm. um, or just, uh, yeah, like you said, sleep, (laughs) taking a nap, um, my attention turns more to my to-do list a lot of the time, and I just don't take the time to sit down and read when I'm stressed out. Um, but I always find that then after the stressful time, I want to get back into reading, but sometimes it's kind of hard to like get back into it because when you fall out of any habit, it's hard to get back going. It's like when you exercise for a month and you are feeling super in shape and then you take a week off because you get sick and then it's like, oh, well, back to square one. (laughs) So after the stress, how do you engage with your reading life again? After a period of binge watching TV or playing a game on your phone or something, how do you 
get back into the rhythm of reading again. I mean, we've talked about this before, just about reading habits and making those work, Uh, just making time specifically in the day uh, where you want to read. But also, I think the topic is important. So if you're coming out of a stressful time or in a stressful time, you don't want to, I don't want to go for like a big biography or um, not necessarily even my like larger fantasy tomes, like something a little bit more simplistic and shorter. And then you get that like feeling of accomplishment that you actually finished a book and it's a little bit shorter. Yeah, I usually go for like a mystery, like a short mystery that I know I'll read start to finish in a pretty short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it's that sense of accomplishment of, oh, I finished a book that then propels you on to the next thing. Yep. And it's not that I don't read at all when I'm stressed out. So typically I, I just read a lot slower and I read a lot less than my usual life. So sometimes that means finishing a book that I've been stuck on for a while just to get out of that rut and get that sense of accomplishment in my reading life back. Yep. So let's start our first segment and talk about book reviews and what we've been reading lately. So speaking of a short book, um, the book that I'm going to talk about, I just finished recently. A uh, special thank you to our friends at Random House for sending this to us. The book's called On Tyranny, which is 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. Uh, Mr. Snyder is a professor of history at Yale, uh, and he's also on a committee on conscience, and he also is a permanent fellow at the Institute for Human Sciences in Vienna. His specialty is really on uh, authoritarianism and totalitarianism in Eastern Europe um, and how it relates to the Holocaust is a big part of his research. And he's looking at it not necessarily with the adage of, you know, people who understand history are doomed to repeat it and all those things, because the more that you read about that, it isn't really a true statement. Or it's not helpful. If If you just go with, oh, history always repeats itself, that's such a helpless statement. Right. And what he's more going for is, yes, these things have happened, but there are things that you can do to arm yourself to make sure that you don't fall into the same traps as previous people. So one of his, his opening line for the book is history does not repeat, but it does instruct. Hmm. So that's something that stuck with me as I was reading through the whole thing is we're taking these lessons that he's looking at specifically from you know, fascism, communism, and how those movements took over Europe in the 20th century, Um, but then also how an educated populace can take these things and know what to look for and won't fall into those same things. So he's got like 20 rules, which if you take them to heart, um, are kind of just guidelines for making sure you don't, like you're guarding yourself against those habits and things that will come up in a regime. Something that I liked was he's talking about contributing to good causes, uh, learning from peers in other countries, and then being as courageous as you can um, when the time comes. So good lessons. I liked his style um, and then the historical background that he's coming from. Um, so he starts every like lesson off with uh, about a paragraph worth and then goes through some historical context based on his background. So... Would recommend. Um, it's only 120 pages. So would you consider that like a, a tract? It's a little bit longer than a tract. Yeah, it's almost like a 
like it could be a pamphlet. Yeah, but basically. But I liked it. Um, people have been saying on like Goodreads and stuff that they carry it with them, have it in their back pockets. But it's like it's got a four point two. Nice. Which is pretty high, um, and that's like with thirty thousand reviews on it. So would recommend. Um, and thank you to Random House for sending that to us. Yeah, you've been liking a lot of their nonfiction lately. Mm-hmm. They've got some good stuff. What's the book you want to talk about? I have nonfiction too. And this is really out of my usual genre comfort zone. I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. I am not a big self-help fan, not because I think it's like bad or anything, but because I am so hard on myself naturally that I don't need to pick up a book to motivate myself to push myself to improve. I'm always thinking like that. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate when a self-help book, when it feels like, either when it feels like a friend is talking to you or when it's really useful and I can skim it and not feel like I'm being preached at. So with Atomic Habits, I felt like I got a lot of useful, helpful information, but I was able to skim a lot to be honest, because I didn't care about the why. I just wanted to know the how. Right. So easily skimmable, good practical tips, um, something that I really liked that I've implemented is that if you have a goal, that's not your habit. So like I've been trying to increase my writing hours each day, but That's the goal is to increase my writing hours. The habit is the little things that I do to set the stage for my writing. And that has truly helped. So every morning waking up and making myself a cup of tea, turning on an ASMR room on the TV, and then sitting down and opening up my laptop right away has helped me pretty much double my writing hours each day. Mm Mm-hmm. Or going to the library and sitting in a certain spot in the library. And then I get like three hours of writing done at the library. So doing those sorts of things based on what James Clear wrote in Atomic Habits has been really helpful. So um, I think it's a good one to pick up if you're interested in habit forming. It's, I mean, it's probably not a lot of new information, but it's packaged a little bit differently. I have not read The Power of Habit. I haven't read very many habit or like goal setting books um so it was more new information for me and there were some good practical tips that i have taken away so i recommend it but i would say don't listen to it on audio and skim it without feeling bad i read it in like three hours because i was able to just skim Mm -hmm. and i still say that i read it because i got all the (laughs) (laughs) i got what i needed what you needed out of it um, and I was surprised when you picked this up because I had read Power of Habit a couple years ago on a recommendation from a friend and you were bouncing some of the stuff in Atomic Habit off. And it's pretty similar. Like there's, it, if you want to change something, it isn't necessarily go right to that thing. It's the surrounding information. Like I think the Power of Habit delves into more like how the brain works and then how, ha- like the how behind habits are working. Uh, but I think it's pretty similar. So I probably would like it if I had the time and I also have to read the next Charles Duhigg book, which is the Stronger, Faster, Better that I haven't gotten around to yet. Oh, yeah. You own that one, too. Own that one. Haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with Power of Habit and 
Atomic Habits, you can go with one or the other Mm -hmm. and you'll probably be set. But I picked up Atomic Habits because a few people that I really admire and respect read it in January as their like new year, new goals kind of thing and highly recommended it. So that's why I picked it up and I am glad that I did because it has actually made a difference for me so far. Okay, so we can get into our recommendations based on our comfort reads, even though we've kind of both established that that isn't our necessarily first inclination. Yeah, Um, well, just because it's not when we're stressed, just because it's not our first instinct to pick up a book doesn't mean that we don't have certain books that we turn to when like we're coming out of that stressful time and we need something that we know is going to be a guaranteed good read or that we sort of turn to for comfort when we do get that reading part of our lives back or when we're trying to make time for it. I am trying to be better about reading when I'm stressed out because I know that it makes a difference and it helps me like slow down. It just requires a little bit of meditation for me beforehand in order to get focused. It's really focus is the issue for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say the first one that I'd go for um, would be like a formulaic mystery like you brought up. So people solving problems, uh, either if that's a crime or a murder or a murder. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking of like a Robert Kreiss with either the Elvis Cole or Joe Pike books, um, the Cormoran Strike series, uh, Career of Evil, Lethal White, that path. Or even going further back to like a Tom Clancy, um, just because it's a, I don't want to say it's predictable, but at least it's formulaic. So there's going to be a problem, there's going to be confrontation, there's going to be things that they have to do to solve them, and you're kind of just along for the way that it shapes out. Would you put Dan Brown in that category too? Yeah, I would too. Um, So it's been a while since I read a lot of his stuff, but like Inferno was really good. And I listened to that one on audio, so that can be another option for it. I think if we're talking about bridging after a season of not really reading a lot, I'll go for an audiobook because I'll be either listening to a bunch of podcasts or something like that, so it's easier to bridge over. So I think that's a, the first one I go for would be like a formulaic mystery. I agree. That's definitely... I don't know if I put it on my list here, but that's definitely something that I turn to as well. But it can't be anything too scary for me. So if I'm already like stressed out or anxious about something, I don't want anything that's going to make my heart race even more. But like you said, sort of a police procedural or something that's more of a formula and not like thriller where you're meant to jump out of your skin is the way to go. But my classic like comfort read go-to is the Anne of Green Gables series and I can listen to the first one often and rereading in that way is helpful for me especially when I'm stressed like you said audiobooks are definitely a good way to go when you feel like you can't focus on the words on the page audio is super helpful but reading the Anne of Green Gables series. I think I am on book four now, so I really only pick up maybe one per year, but going back to that series during a stressful time is not only comforting, but also helpful because Ellen Montgomery is incredibly wise, and I like a book that 
makes me feel happy and gives me warm fuzzies, but that I can actually take wisdom and advice from is super helpful as well. And I really find that with the Anne of Green Gables series, even though it's, you know, sometimes seen as children's literature or sort of fluffy, I think that there are some really deep, insightful lessons to be learned from it and some really sweet quotes that always feel encouraging to me. Okay. Uh, Not to say that you were downplaying self-help books earlier, question mark? Well, they're just not my favorite. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're not great. Yeah. Um, My second one is going to be some self-help books. Yeah. Throwing it out there. So what what about self-help are you drawn to for, like, comfort or for sort of getting rid of stress simplicity i think Mm. i brought i think i brought that up as like it's things that you might have heard before um but maybe from a different perspective so the one that i'm thinking of is make your bed by admiral mcraven which i've talked about on the show before but it's like simple stuff you know if you, you can't move on to like things in your day if you leave your bed all messy and things like that and you would think you wouldn't think that that's a big deal um but the way that he explains it is that it is the first like problem that you're solving for the day and sets you up to solve the next thing and move on to the next thing so things like and it's a short book so it's something that i haven't reread um but when i did read it was when i was feeling pretty stressed out um and it helped i think One of the good things about self-help like that for stress is sometimes it's so easy to forget the fundamentals when you're really stressed because you're so focused on the problem or you're just sometimes not taking great care of yourself. Yeah. And so reading something that reminds you that the fundamentals are important can be good, even if it's really obvious information like make sure you're eating your vegetables and make sure you're sleeping enough at night. Being reminded of that is always good. Yeah. That's, I actually have something like that on my list too. I called it inspirational nonfiction though. Okay. <laughs> Which it's like... some people might say is just self-help, but in a different package. So like right now I'm reading Don't Overthink It by Ann Bogle and I'm finding that really helpful. Um, I have some Toni Morrison essays on my to-be-read list that I'm sort of saving for like when, a time when I need inspiration, but essays or memoir that sort of feel like a friend is sitting down with you for coffee and sharing advice is helpful to me rather than like atomic habit great practical advice it was just what I wanted I just wanted the information but if I had been stressed I would have wanted a different reading experience where I felt like someone was sort of like coming alongside me and putting their arm around me a little bit more and I get that more with sort of like wise writers who aren't necessarily packaged as self-help but are more packaged as inspiration or memoir in essays would you consider like philosophy in that realm or not really um I don't know that I ever really pick up philosophy hmm what are you, is there a book that you're thinking of for that? Well, I've been reading a little bit more Marcus Aurelius or um, Rousseau, but I think that just means... Yeah, no. <laughs> that might just be the stage I am in my life, but... Yeah. Uh, no, not, not that. Not like age-old wisdom, but more like reading about people's experiences and what they've learned from it. Mm-hmm. 
and them sort of sharing their lived-in wisdom. Okay. Which, you know, partly is self-help, but I just think it has to do with the author's writing style for mm-hmm. me. So it's it's different in my mind. I don't know how else to explain it. I think the experience part that you're talking about is important, and especially if it's somebody that is a new voice and a voice that you respect, um, or even if it's somebody that's coming from a place that you haven't experienced before, but you want to see it from their shoes. So like you're talking about a Tony Morrison or for me, uh, Admiral McRaven, but it, uh, in my mind, those are a lot different than like a Joel Osteen. Oh gosh. I w- well, I would never read his book first of all, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, but I also think that McRaven's book probably leans a little bit more towards memoir too. I like people's stories. And so, and the tone is huge for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, sort of a little, a little mix of sass and straightforward versus sometimes self-help can read really preachy or just very factual. Mm-hmm. I don't really want preachy or factual when I'm in a rut. I would like comfort. I want someone who has a way with words that can sort of be a balm for my soul. Makes a lot of sense. Finding the right audiobook is all about figuring out what your brain likes on the page versus in your earbuds. For example, I love reading fantasy novels, but listening to them just doesn't do it for me. I much prefer listening to nonfiction, sort of like a podcast. And I enjoy listening and learning with Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as Audible, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. To get started, all you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I burped. <laughs> That's the cold open. <laughs> um, <laughs> to get started. Just go to, yeah, you can start from there uh, to get started. Yeah. To get started, all you need is a smartphone and the free FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And get this, it's the same price as Audible. Exactly the same price, but with a better mission. We've made the switch to Libro FM and hope you do too. Go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting... Mm-hmm. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. What is your next category or example of a comforting read next and final um i'll just say something familiar so either a setting or a author or a series that you find familiar and find comfort in and for me that's harry potter because it reminds me of my childhood and something that i grew up loving and go back to so i'm in the middle of my series reread now and i don't know when i'm gonna pick up again but Whenever I go back to those books, I always find comfort in it. So it's an easy one to go to if I'm in a rut reading 
or feeling stressed out because, you know, you got your friends. You got Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is is there another book that you... I know, like, uh, some of your fantasy books you'll reread to be yeah. in that world. Um, I'll go back to Theft of Swords constantly or um, even... Game of Thrones I'll go back to sometimes, but not on the reg. And that's also very say, stressful. If you used to, yeah, that's not exactly comforting. No, um, and those are very stressful. Um, Gates know, of Fire you read pretty frequently. That's not yeah. really fantasy, but... No, that's, that'd be more of a historical or but mythical fiction. Um, I'd even go with, like, Star Wars. So, like, oh, re- yeah. reverting back to something that you read when you were a kid. And I'm kind of getting back into the Star Wars books reading nowadays um but those are i think those are big time comfort reads because you're thinking about where you were when you were reading them the first time and if you read them when you were a kid it's going back to a time when life was easy and you didn't have adult stresses oh definitely (laughs) definitely yeah so going back to something familiar maybe something you read as a kid yeah i can agree with that what's your last one Definitely romance. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, You can go back to episode 47 for a longer list of romance recommendations from me, but two main authors that I stick with are Alyssa Cole and Tessa Dare. And you and I will talk about Tessa Dare and her sense of humor in the next episode Mm -hmm. when we talk about the Duchess deal. But I think after you read that, you can understand why I like her books and tend to reread them for comfort so often. Definitely. They're funny and just delightful. The nice thing about romance, and I'm talking about true romance where the central characters are falling in love and that's the main plot and the ending is always happy ever after or for now. The nice thing about that is that there's a specific pattern that the stories follow, not just the love story and the happy ending, but in between there's a specific pattern. There's always a meeting, there's always something pulling the characters apart, there's always a moment where you think they're never going to get together, there's always, well, usually if it's an open door romance, there's a moment usually at least halfway through or three quarters of the way through the book where they make out a lot. And it's just, <laughs> you know what to expect and you know when to expect it. And there's something so comforting about that. So romance is definitely on my list. Also sort of under the romance category, it's not a true romance, but it is a romantic book series. I like to read Outlander as comfort reading. Makes sense. Not only is it nice to like be with those characters again, but also the details like of Claire's picking herbs and drying them and making them into medicine or, you know, whatever the details are, shearing sheep, whatever they're doing that's sort of like that hands-on historical work and all of the details and facts. I can easily get lost in that and I really love it somehow it has always worked out that when you leave for deployment or training, it coincides with the new season of Outlander, the television series. Yeah, I don't plan that because then it's harder for me to watch it, but (laughs) it works out that way sometimes. It's just the way it is. So um, that usually means that I'm reading a book in that series to catch up and make sure that I'm caught up with the TV show. So actually... um, I need to read the book like 
the next book like now because otherwise I'm going to be hi- be behind when the show starts. Yeah, show starts soon. Got to get on it. So that's definitely one that I turn to. But overall, I would say romance is definitely my category. And that's something that even when I'm stressed out, I don't stop reading. Whether I'm reading a paperback or just audiobook, I feel like I can always at least have one romance book going even when I'm super stressed out and busy. So that's my favorite. Okay. I, I'm feeling like this is an episode that people will be able to relate to, but it would be interesting to hear what our listeners read for comfort because everyone's so different. Yeah. And it'll be just kind of fun to hear maybe on Instagram if they comment on our episode post, you know, what, what constitutes a comfort read for them mm-hmm. because oh, it's oh. just, you learn a lot about people from questions like this well and also it's uh, leap year this year so you're gonna have to if you're in a north country like we are where there's lots of snow and maybe you're in a stressful situation or needing some comfort you got that extra day in february yeah why do we have to have an extra day in february of all months (laughs) why do we have to have an extra day of winter we should have an extra day of summer oh wait a minute this is coming out in march oh yeah just cut that (laughs) just cut that that's fine All right, Curtis, super curious to hear your recommendation of the week. So I found a new podcast that I am starting, which is, I'd say new, but familiar. Kind of doing, that's called a callback. I don't know if you're Uh ever familiar with those. Curtis, we get it. Um, So I'm a big hardcore history fan with Dan Carlin. And I was doing some searches for uh, a topic that I've kind of been into with some Julius Caesar stuff since I'm reading his account of the invasion of Gaul. And I found Hardcore History Addendum, which is kind of stories that didn't make the actual feed for Hardcore History. So he's been doing it for a couple of years uh, since 2017. Only nine episodes published. Um, Actually had one drop last week. So I'm interested to listen to the full backlog here. But the episode that drew my attention was he compares Caesar's army to a a second one that successfully invaded Britain and see what would happen if they matched up together. So it's called Caesar at Hastings is the episode that drew me to it. Um, But then they've also got episodes on... Alexander the Great and his mom and how their relationship was with his dad um, and then also some Vietnam War stuff and then going all the way back to Imperial Germany versus Nazi Germany. So are these addendum episodes, is it still like multiple episodes on a topic like his usual hardcore history podcast or are these These single episodes? These are all single episodes. So And I think they're mostly topics that he hasn't addressed on the main feed, uh, but stuff that he's interested in. So I'm interested to go through the full backlog. What is his current topic on Hardcore History? Do you know? Uh, Supernova in the East. So it's on the World War II uh, Pacific Theater. And then um, the Rape of Nanking was something that came up during that. So Russia, Chinese war, or uh, sorry, China, Japanese war. Interesting. How about uh, your recommendation for the week? 
My recommendation is a TV show, and it's on season three, so I just started watching season three on Hulu. It's The Bold Type, which is also on Freeform, so if you have cable, you can watch that live, but we don't live that life, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's streaming on Hulu. It's about three best friends in New York City, and they all work for a fashion magazine. And the magazine is Scarlet. And so it's partly the magazine industry. One of them is in fashion. One of them is in social media. And the other one is a writer. And so I like the the writing aspect of that and the sort of publishing realm of it all. It's very you know, millennial. Um, The issues that come up are super timely, but I think that the way that they handle them isn't super heavy-handed. It's really thoughtful, and the friendship with the three young women is really sweet, and it's just, I don't know, it's just a fun show. Kind of like, it's easy to binge watch, kind of like, um, I don't know, I like Freeform or CW shows like Riverdale or... I don't know. The bull type is more thoughtful than Riverdale, but um, <laughs> just shows where you can sort of root for the characters, but I, it's not high stakes. Like, nobody's running away from the law or, <laughs> or trying to solve a murder. It's not stressful. Um, and the clothes are pretty, and <laughs> it's just fun. It's a really fun show. And so seasons one and two are up on Hulu. It is something that you'll probably want to watch in order, but since season three is on now and it's been good all the way through i feel like i can recommend it for people to go back to season one and start watching okay well that's all the time we have for you today a reminder that our upcoming buddy read is the duchess deal by tessa dare which chelsea brought up earlier for news and announcements you can contact us via social media or email we're on twitter and instagram at he read she read or you can email us at he read she read podcast at gmail.com you can also find show notes at herechira.org under podcast. Also, a big thank you to our favorite audiobook service, Libra FM, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you all for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together... Doesn't actually read together when they're stressed out. Only if they want to. <laughs>